reunion audio. You have a prepaid call. You will not be I'm Anna Dalvey, and this is the Anna Dalvey Show. You might recognize my name as a character in the Netflix series, but now you get to meet the real me. On this show, I will dive into the concept of rules and talk with the people who create or break them. From art, politics, fashion, tech, finance, law, and more, the Anna Delvey Show will share honest, unfiltered conversations that will question traditional notions of what's right and wrong, all recorded in my East Village apartment in New York while on house arrest. This week, I'm talking to Jacob Shamsian, a correspondent on Insider's Crime and Court's Desk. I happen to be his very first criminal trial that he ever covered, and since then, he continued to write about high-profile crimes, such as Trump's efforts to overturn the election. His reporting has also been cited in multiple federal court cases. His latest work includes Jeffrey Epstein's links to powerful people. So great to have you. Glad to be here. Yeah, and I'm wondering, how do you like pick the stories and how do you like decide, oh, this is actually interesting? Um, I think, it's a good question. I think a lot of um, the stories I'm interested in I'm interested in is when just like powerful people mess up or people or the people are just like scoundrels, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, how, how, how do you explain um, why someone would act in such a way? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a legal reporter. I cover court cases. Um, I've covered like you know, your trial, of course, uh, some uh, rougher ones like the Glenn Maxwell trial and uh, R. Kelly trial. Um, and, you know, it's really fascinating to see like on a courtroom, just all these details laid bare and uh, seeing like, how did this uh, person, well, I guess in every case, like there's been a conviction. So I don't have to say allegedly, how did this person kind of like, <laughs> we don't have to go there with you, Anna, yet. Uh, <laughs> but you know, how did, how did this person, you know, in the case of R. Kelly and Glenn Maxwell, like how, how did they become such a monster? Like uh, just like mentally, like how do they do it? And also uh, logistically, you know, how did they you know, put out their scheme where they uh, control and, uh, abuse like these these people again. The cases of R. <laughs> Kelly and Glenn Maxwell, you had a different different situation yourself. It's like it's like a psychology behind it, right? Yeah, that's that's definitely interesting, and it's also like uh, you know, um, trials are are very fact based, so it's kind of like you know you see everything laid out in the courtroom, and uh, the interpretation is up to the jury, and also of course to me, a journalist who's mm-hmm. kind of in the courtroom. Yeah. It's like, it's like they try to be, they try to make it devoid of uh, emotion. And it's really interesting to like observe like the system actually unfolding itself. Yeah. Um, no. And when did you start? Like, when did you um, decide to like cover crime? Uh, so I, um, when I first got into journalism, I was really interested in covering like culture and entertainment. Yeah. Um, and I think there was, it was actually with your, with your trial. Uh, so this is coming back to you, but, uh, one of, one of my, I, I was covering like a few different things. I was covering like entertainment, internet culture. I was a bit in like this weird zone. And, uh, one editor was like, Hey, like this, you remember that New York Mag story with, uh, Anna Delvey, like her trial <laughs> is happening in a, in a couple of weeks. It's, you know, in this, uh, court courthouse, a few blocks from the office. Like, do you want to, do you want to like go there and just like see what's up? And, uh, and so I was like, sure. And I went to jury selection and I, um, and I saw this, I was just kind of like asking everyone sitting in the gallery, like, uh, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? Like, are you a journalist? Like, what's, uh-huh. your, what's your deal? Just like chatting people up. One person was like, oh, I'm here for like the German consulate. I was like, the German consulate? What's that, what's that about? <laughs> and then I kind of like dug around a bit and I was like, I, I realized that, you know, I, I got the story that ICE was going to, was like planning to support you uh, as soon as like the case is over, either after you finish a sentence or, you know, if, if you weren't convicted, then just like mm-hmm. outside. So uh, from then I was like, okay, well, I'm like getting stories on this. I'll stick with it. And, you know, I covered your case for uh, your trial for a few weeks. Um, and then just by virtue of that, it was kind of like became my thing. And I kind of got this like the legal specialty yeah. uh, on, on my team and just kind of more or less stuck with it from there. Oh, wow. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't know that. I thought you had like this, what you did for like <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of the stuff I did like intersected with yeah. law and courts, but um, in terms of it being like my main focus, yeah, that was it. 
But your mom is a is a lawyer, right? Uh, my mother is an attorney, yeah. Uh, yeah. But not like a like a very boring like yeah. a, like corporate type thing. <laughs> not, not not like a news a news thing. Yeah. Do you ever ask her for um, for her input? Um, sometimes I might ask her like explain like some like you know detail about contract law. Yeah. Um, but you know, often I just like rely on like this roster of like expert. Do you ask her about? Do you ask her for her opinion on me? <laughs> Uh, I don't. I didn't ask her, but she did offer her opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, everyone who who what I, did you she know. Say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. I don't want. She's a very private person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, every, everyone. I mean, uh, some some uh, family members and friends have been like have have war- warned me <laughs> about you. Like, oh. you know, don't get too involved. Uh, <laughs> and here I am on this podcast with you. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's. <laughs> But, but uh, you know, I'm 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 keeping uh, some emotional and intellectual distance, as you can see. Yes. We're sparring here. Yes. All right. I mean, yeah, understandable, of course. All right. And uh, well, I guess how you reached out, like you wrote me a letter while I wasn't out being still. Yeah. So it was a few months after um, your conviction. You were in uh, Albion, upstate New York, and. Um, God, whose idea? I think I think it was my idea, or maybe it was my editor's idea. Um, but I was like, why don't I just like, you know, this is a story I covered. Why don't I just like reach out and just like write letters to to a letter to Anna uh, and see if she'll get back to me and if we can like have like you know just like you know because because Emily Palmer at the, at the times did that really great interview uh, with you. Uh, you know, at Rikers or after your conviction, debatable. <laughs> yeah, but from a journalist standpoint, it was a great interview. Uh, uh, and you know, and, and, and I, I, I didn't, didn't, didn't even occur to me to do that. Like it was like a just good, good move on her to yeah. do that journalistically. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I kind of thought like, well, you know, she's willing to speak with people. She might feel burned from that experience. I don't know, but I'll just like write a, write a letter. Cause I can't, I can't email you. You're in, you're in prison. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Uh, we didn't uh, know about JPay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know about this like messaging service JPay uh, that I could use, but you know, you, you responded and you're like, just get, you know, get on JPay is very like, uh, uh, like being in middle school, people are like, Hey, do you have an aim? Like, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, we, we, I wouldn't have responded to you cause you said you were wearing good, good shoes doing the track. Yeah. I was, I was wearing, well, I knew you were interested into fashion. So I like manipulated you a bit. And I was like, I was the one with like a, expensive sneakers which i got on a very deep discount by the way i don't know uh, i don't pay full price for anything um and um, it was a common project common projects but i got it, i got it from bergdorf's so it was like a, it was like 70 percent off it was like i kind of i kind of knocked out them and um uh i think it was because of the color whatever i would have to get into it the color was like not like the perfect one but it was i like them uh and and yeah we had a correspondence it was like off the record initially but you know it kind of like um, you can see like it paid off when, when you got out of, uh, prison and, and like texted me or like, Hey, I'm out of prison. And then, um, uh, and then that was like a big story. And then what took even more perseverance is getting an actual interview with you afterwards. If you don't, <laughs> if you remember, and, uh, it was like, I think it was, I remember it was that night or a couple of days later, but you were like, kind of like playing phone tag with me a bit. And like, just, I, I understand you like trying to unwind and everything, which yeah. like I respect, but eventually I, you know, got you on. Uh, that like um, it was before Zoom, I guess, so like was with Skype or something. Or, yeah, I then, think so. It was definitely it was a Sunday. Yeah, it was just like very chaotic because when you come out of jail, it's like you're just getting like gripped under like thousand different directions, and you I'm just sure. don't really know how like to deal with distractions and kind of like prioritizing what's important. Um, yeah, it was like a pretty like I just needed like a couple of weeks to adjust. But yeah, yeah, which which makes sense. I mean, if I I've never been released from uh, a prison after several <laughs> years. But I'm sure if I was, I would be like, I need some time to myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, perseverance to get that interview and, uh, you know, I think I said deal with stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we finally got it done. Yeah, I mean, that uh, interview, I was a gift that kept on giving to, was quoted in multiple, uh, during my multiple bond hearings, saying how uh, I think prison is a joke and it's a waste of time. <laughs> it actually started a whole investigation Um by the Department of Corrections and um, the representatives, like, and the reason it did is because of Amy Fisher. Right. Um, so I think, if I remember correctly, uh, I forgot how it came up, but you said something about how 
correctional officers kind of like were like unimpressed by you because you were like no Amy Fisher or something. Yeah. And he's, he said, it's like, oh, um, who do you think you are? I've had Amy Fisher. And I was like, oh, well, um, can you clarify how do you mean it? Like, do you have her like in a sexual way? It's like, no, just <laughs> like in his housing unit that was under his supervision. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was so funny, but how, like out of everything that I said about the corrections, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's system, what they, this is the that's the one that triggered it. <laughs> yeah. They already know like uh you know everything you said about how it's like useless and I'm sure they heard it before. <laughs> yeah. But like that's the what they use to like say, oh, I did not change because I thought prison was a waste of time. Um and yeah, like I did say it definitely, but that's not the way I really mean it. It's like um Well I guess speaking of which and I know you don't want to like look backwards and everything, but like I'm sure in prison, like perseverance is like you were like kind of like biding your time working on yourself, like preserving. I don't know how, how to, how do you see? Um, yeah, definitely. It's like, you have to like figure out ways to like deal with situation. Otherwise it's just like so depressing. Like you just have to like build up some kind of a thing where it's like, Oh, like X, Y, Z. And like, you always have to like, find something to focus on because you know like real world is so full of distractions and prison is not like that they're like distractions but they are the bad ones it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like not the distractions that you want <laughs> it's like in the real world it's like oh well here like an ice cream a friend i don't know like a movie in right. there it's just like <laughs> in there it's just like completely different so it's um, like drugs and gangs like a- <laughs> yeah i mean like and different people find different ways to like deal with it and my way would be like um yeah to like find something new to like focus on this is why like i did all the sketches i don't know like i wrote quite a quite a lot like there was always something that i've been working mm-hmm. on and um yeah i mean it def- definitely was a huge exercise in perseverance like and on by all accounts <laughs> yeah or making our work is somewhere between like ice cream and, and drugs yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean just drugs are not really my thing um I mean, but yeah, I never saw that many drugs in my life. Like having been like in Berlin, New York, anywhere in Europe, they didn't um, jail yeah. prison. Yeah, it's like a whole market there. <laughs> and that's like another uh, reason, like prison and the way in the form like that they have it now, it's not really effective. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm so, sure. Yeah. And I'm not like saying like, they should be no jails or prisons. Like it could be better. And that's like kind of the way I meant it. Right. But right. Yeah. They just yeah. take everything out of context. Um, but yeah. And like another um, huge exercise in perseverance was like the whole ice thing, just like me being taken back into custody. Um, you, had like, a, you had a glimpse of the outside and then you were. Yeah. Like, but through no fault of my own, like I didn't do anything to go back to jail. It's not like I didn't break any rules. So after you were uh, released from prison uh, for when, after at which point you completed your sentence for the, you know, the, the, con- the conviction, uh, ICE took you back in because as I mentioned earlier, you, uh, you know, you're from Germany, you're an American citizen, mm-hmm. you overstayed your visa. Uh, and so, you know, ICE wanted to deport you and they took you into custody ahead of deportation, which you have been fighting uh, since. So you went from being out from behind bars to I believe it was just like five or six weeks later, right? Uh, going back uh, behind bars, not for any uh, crime you committed because you completed your criminal sentence, but just because, you know, immigration uh, immigration authorities wanted to deport you. Yeah, that's right. So it's like what happened is because Biden took the office, he issued like a moratorium for all deportations or he tried to and eventually got blocked by um, the Supreme Court. But during the time, because he got um, this morning, like what, end of January, right? Yeah. And I got released on February 11th. So on February 9th, um, the I, like ICE people came, it's like, oh, we don't care about you. You're not a priority because I'm a nonviolent offender. It's like, we're going to parole you. They gave me the date, end of March to show up um, to like see the ICE agent, which I've done. And then from there, they took me. Um, but yeah, it's like very political. And like literally it was so funny because you know how I got extradited from um, 
from LA, right? Right. Um, and there they made me wait almost 30 days because New York has 30 days to come and get you from another state if they want you. So of course they made me wait whole 30 days before they um, take me. So like I could experience so you, you were you were char- like you were charged for the whole uh, fake heiress thing, uh, you know, in New York, but you were in LA. So you're extradited from mm-hmm. LA to New York. Yeah. So it's like LA, they came, this is like where Rachel came in play. So in, in October, 2017, they were like, well, we just have a warrant for your arrest. We have nothing to do with your charges. Don't ask us anything. Just like, you're going to wait for New York. And like, if they don't come to get you after 30 days, we're like going to let you go. Um, I mean, of course they did, but then they never calculated those 30 days because like you're supposed to get all the credit for all the um, charges that you've, um, all the time that you've done since your arrest. So I was supposed to get the credit for those, I guess it was 29 days that I spent in the jail in LA and I would have gotten those, that credit. I would have been released before Biden was indicted and they probably would have deported me right away. It's actually, you got the credit for being in Rikers, but not for the time yeah. in LA. Right? And I was trying, trial. I was so upset. I'm like, I sat in your jail and like, we kept like, I kept writing them letters. I kept writing the letters saying, it's like, just give me the 29 days. Yeah. It's like, and it was my birthday, like my January, uh, my birthday is January 23rd, 23rd. Uh-huh. So it's like, how nice would it be if I could like, could be out yeah. for like my birthday. You missed January 6th. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess that was. I don't know where you would have been on that day, but <laughs> probably not in DC. The- no. <laughs> um, and I was so upset. And like we kept writing them, calling them. They were like just not responding. Like, what can you do? It's Twin Towers in LA, where Harvey Weinstein is right now. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the ver- reverse happens to him because he was convicted um, in New York, and then yeah. he was in charge in LA, and he was extradited from uh, New York to LA for his. Trial yeah. is going on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny because he still owes um, New York time. So they usually don't do it until you finish, but because like they want him so much, yeah, they want they, to like they, bring uh, him yeah, to yeah, justice. Like, made a made an arrangement for that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really funny how things work out. You know, like if they if I were to get what I wanted, I, they probably would have like arrested me right away, and I don't know. I don't know. It's really funny how things uh, <laughs> come by, and not the whole. Um, this is like that's the reason I hired Audrey because like um I just kept coming and like I was like yeah well you always stay do visa and I'm like okay yeah I did it's not like a big mystery and um I'm like I just need some lawyer because I knew the lawyer I had at the time had no idea about immigration and um yeah that's how it like it all came along it's pretty wild and um yeah I got taken back into ICE custody and just the rest is history and I'm like um I did not want this like to be my story. I'm not just going to like, I went through so much and like, now it's stumbled upon crazy Audrey and now I'm going to get deported. I'm like, that's not the way it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, another, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, and I guess <laughs> like explain who Audrey is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Um, so a person who requires perseverance. <laughs> Um, but why don't, why don't we just, so, so I, you know, I mean, your whole, your whole fight to not be, um, deported is also like an act of perseverance. You're, uh, you know, you're not a citizen no. in the U S uh, you were convicted of a crime, which you of course are appealing, uh, in a lot of situations you'd be out of here already, but you know, you are, uh, finding every legal avenue to stay here as long as possible yeah. and not be uh, supported and just being here in this New York city apartments and doing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> being on house arrest. Uh, <laughs> being on house arrest is, uh, you know, you've gotten this far, but let's see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how it goes. Yes. Hey, summer is finally here. Right. So, you know, Anna, I mean, you could, you could, Tomorrow, probably, whenever, decide, I don't want to be here anymore. I'll just be deported to Germany, and you'd be a free woman in Germany, I think. As far as I know, you've not accused of any crimes there. And you can just, like, you know, live life in Berlin or London or Paris, which are all beautiful cities. Uh, You know, why are you trying to stay? Why do you want to stay in New York so badly? Why do you want to, like, 
stay in the U.S. so badly? Like, what's what's your what's this uh you know what's this American dream of yours? Like everybody like keeps asking me like kind of the same question, and I don't, it's hard to explain. It's just like it's like it's almost as like to ask us like why I am who I am, which is like that's like kind of what felt right to me, and. Um, I don't know to say if somebody were to tell me like last March that I will be in jail for 18 months and I'm going to get to come out. I don't know if I would have, if I were to agree to just forfeit 18 months of my life, but it was like, it's, I guess, more difficult, um, in that way, the immigration system, because it's like, there's no guarantee, you know, there's not like with criminal system where it's like, oh, well, you're going to do two years and it's going to be all good. Like, that's just not the way it works. It's like, I could have sat there for five years and I would have never, like, come out, right? Um, right so why not just be like, screw this, I'm going home, like, instead of come, staying here for, like, an unknown, indefinite period of time? Because it was always an option for me to um, actually come out and I wanted to exhaust them all. It just took 18 months to do so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. <laughs> do you, don't you feel like you're, like, on borrowed time? Like, you know, like, th- you could succeed in your criminal appeal and staying here maybe, but also, uh, you know, like you're not a citizen, like permanent residency here is going to be, is, is its own challenge. Like, um, why not just, uh, uh, I, 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 I mean, I love New York. I live here, but yeah. you know, like other places are nice too. I mean, definitely. Yeah. Other places are nice too. And it's not like, because I cannot go anywhere nice. It just felt like, it's almost like when you look at the rules, they like don't make sense. It's like, again, like it's just my weird relationship with like the concept of roles and how they were like built by somebody. Because if you look at immigration law, it's just wild. It's like, you know, like the whole law, the way I see the system now is like about fitting your story and like pre-existing concept or like what's, how it's just set up. And like, that's the way you tell the story. For sure. I I mean, you wouldn't be the first to say that America's immigration laws make no sense. (laughs) Uh, That's for sure. But like when when it's your own uh, light life that's in here when it's your own life that it's like, you know, you personally are going to be in jail yeah. for this. Like, you know, isn't, isn't that just kind of stubbornness? Absolutely. It's like a lot of it would be, you know, you know like even when I came out, um, when they released me from Albion and, you know, like how you see people on Instagram, it's like, oh, why isn't she deported? Like, um, to get, like, I didn't want to like give them the satisfaction. A lot of it was too. It's like, <laughs> You don't want to like, you know, didn't want to whatever. I think Trump had like three, five different DHS secretaries. You don't want them to be like, oh yeah, like Department of Homeland Security, screw them over. They didn't get me out. Like, I mean, what, what's, what's that? What does that mean? You want to show, you don't want to like show, uh, you know, who, who that they're right. Just like the system. I mean, what, it's just what, a little part of it. It's like, I see, I saw the whole thing, like as kind of like a metaphor for, I don't know. I felt like if I were to agree to leave. I would just be like kind of accepting this whole story because first of all, like I wouldn't be deprived of the chance of like on my criminal appeal because it's a, it's a whole joke that you like can leave and fight it from somewhere else. It's like, it's a fairy tale they tell you to like, just make you feel better about leaving. None of that is true. It's like, nobody owes you anything. It's like, none of this appeals will like go anywhere. It's like, what's the point? So you had to stay to save your reputation through the court system. That's the way I saw it. I felt like if I were to leave, um, it would just be kind of like partially accepting like all these labels that they put on me. Because, you know, I had a choice to stay and like try to fight this. I guess here's also a, a related question. Um, you know, you you had this... Uh, attorney who no longer represents you. Uh, She's actually no longer an attorney (laughs) either, Audrey (laughs) Thomas. Uh, She was uh, disbarred, actually, uh, for a different case. But, uh, you know, she she was both your criminal appeal lawyer for a time (laughs) and your your immigration lawyer. And you, of course, you know, you were in uh, immigration custody for quite some time. And, uh, you know, we, we were, you and me were talking about all these things that were happening with, with, with fighting that. And she was putting up, um, you know, uh, some, some fight on, on immigration, uh, obviously it wasn't through satisfaction. You fired her, but she didn't make like, she, she didn't make any progress as far as I know on your criminal appeal at all. And so on one hand, it's like, you know, you're saying you were fighting immigration to stay in the U S to also fight the criminal appeal to save your reputation. So like part one fighting immigration, like, 
you're in a good, you're, you were always doing that and you're like in a, in a good place now, obviously you're under house arrest, not, well, not in jail, it's better than jail <laughs> and doing this podcast. Uh, but the criminal appeal, you know, you have a new lawyer now who is working on an appeal. I, I, I know him, Duncan Levin, he's a, he's a great attorney. Um, and, but it's kind of like, so like, well, shouldn't your criminal appeal have been filed years ago for you to like put out, you know, this statements that like, I'm not accepting, you know, the, the, this, this, uh, convicted scammer image that I have now. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely. Um, so I'm still, I know immigration law way better, unfortunately now than I do like criminal, <laughs> criminal law. <laughs> I can like literally open my own practice. No, I'm just joking. Um, but I guess, um, we filed notion of appeal within the 30 days after my conviction, and uh, my lawyer at the time thought he just like never really did anything about it. And I was in prison. And um, to, to be clear, a notice, the notice of appeal is just saying to the court, I'm going to I'm planning to file a much longer thing later yeah. explaining why this conviction was wrong. It's like a one page or two page thing or something. Uh, but the actual long, you know, document saying here's where the you know trial went wrong or where the conviction yeah. went wrong. You know, that's not been filed yet. Yeah, and it has, still has not been filed yet. Yeah. And uh, I mean, part of it is uh, like thanks to Audrey because she's withholding. Um, I mean, majority of my files. Did, did you did you talk to Audrey like over over the you know those years that she represented you? Like, hey, how's my criminal appeal going? Like, how how, how do those conversations go? Yeah, um, definitely. Well, uh, it was a constant waiting game. We were like waiting for the transcripts, and I don't know. She kept like give, uh, giving me a runaround. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, I mean, for immigration, I have two things going against me is um, my um, that overstayed my visa because mm-hmm. I was in jail and uh, because of my criminal conviction. So so it's like those two things are separate and they're like equally bad, pretty much. I mean, if you just overstay your visa without being a criminal, you like get banned for like 10 years usually. Yeah. And okay. just being having an aggravated felony gets you a lifetime ban. Okay. So so best case scenario is you win your, uh, you know, overturning your conviction mm-hmm. and then get deported and then 10 years later you can come back? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I'll just, yeah, there are ways to figure it out. I don't know. We don't okay. have enough time to, like, <laughs> okay. yeah, there are options. And just like, it's because the law is like, they get changed all the time. It's like, you know, even um, with the Supreme Court, you know, I don't know how much you follow the immigration, kind of the whole saga, but it's like they they just ruled ICE are allowed to detain, indefinitely detain people. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be like they had to reevaluate your custody status like after six months. Like I met, I don't know, I didn't meet them, but like I know the stories of guys. I knew them from like the, the offices. I was I was in ICE detention, detention. So there would be like the same offices that would be um, in the guys part of it. So it's like... I, Oftentimes I was, I would be the only one or one female who would be in ICE custody, but it were like 100, 150 guys, like in another wing. And this story would be, it's like, well, somebody lived there for like 20 years um, and they got like a DUI and that's a felony. Mm-hmm. So that just like automatically revokes their status. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. And it's like, but they have like families and kids and they just like, spent years fighting the case. Um, yeah, I've read like some real heartbreakers, like um, people who like fi- filed habeas and um, they just like gave me examples like in the library. It's wild. It's really, really like unreasonable. I feel like if you're nonviolent, you should be given like a second chance for sure. Yeah. Um, well, where are we going with this? So what's the end game here? <laughs> I mean, so I always pretty much saw it as a puzzle to solve. You know, it's like there was there would be always a way for me to like kind of get this solved. It's like at which point do you say like, no, I'm not pursuing that anymore. Like, you know, it just never came for me. It's like, what is what would be like the point for me? It's like, no, you know what? I'm good. Um, I didn't want for it to like be Audrey just filing something late. You know, that would be such a sad ending to yeah, like the whole story. Exhaust all avenues. Right. And it's like, there would, there's always something and like, it would just be always, if not this one, then that one. And, um, yeah, fine. Like I, I hit the jackpot, I guess yeah. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it paid off, but there was never a guarantee that it would ever will. It was like, there was always a chance. It's like, I would have spent there, I don't know, two years. And I'm just like, no, 
no further than I was when I got arrested. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's hard to predict what's going to happen because like, I don't know, something can change. I don't know, next week. And you just never know. You just like work around existing rules. I mean, the plan is like to have good lawyers. <laughs> yeah. you've, I mean, you've decorated your apartment, so it'll be a shame if you just got deported tomorrow. Right. I mean, yeah, that would be one of the things. So I feel like so my immigration case will be drawn out and like prolonged just because once you are when you detain, you are like on the detained docket and that um, those cases will get moved along quicker than the non-detained ones. So um, and hopefully like my case and the, everything that I went through will kind of bring attention to because like if my case is unique, but it also happens to other people, too. And it, it sounds like you're buying time, right? You spent, I don't know how much money you spent on, on lawyers. Actually, just tell me, how much money have you spent on lawyers overall? <laughs> six, six digits. Six digits. <laughs> Divide that by however number of like days you're here and you get like that. That's how much money you've spent to stay in the U.S. per day. Plus other other costs, obviously. You can think about it that way. I don't see it that way, but yeah. Definitely, yeah. Definitely, yeah. And then you kind of like want, want to stretch that out as much as possible until there's some big court decision or the law changes in a way that lets you stay here permanently. Cause like you said, even if you do succeed on the criminal appeal, um, you know, you still overstayed your visa. And so you have to be like, you know, shipped out at some point, unless there's uh, some change in the law, either from a court decision or from an act of Congress. Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, even with the case I'm pursuing right now, it has some merits too. So, um, it's just very complicated. I guess here's a way to, I'm also thinking about it, is, um, you know, at some point you came to New York uh, kind of like wanting to make a name for yourself. You wanted to have the Anna Delvey Foundation. You wanted to kind of like be this like figure who was had a successful business and was like a player in the art world, right? That was like on your mind to some degree. You kind of like had amb- these ambitions uh, which you felt like you could accomplish in New York. Not yeah. that you necessarily came to New York for that, but that, you know, you had these ambitions. Um, and so what is it about like your ambitions and things that you want to do with your life that re- that make it, that like tie into requiring you to like be here to do them as opposed to, um, you know, just being in Europe? Uh, the main one obviously is your reputation, right? You like just as a pro- matter of process, you need to like not be deported in order to appeal your case because if you try to appeal your case from overseas, they're just gonna like it's not gonna go anywhere. Yeah. But is there? But I guess is there anything else about like what you, like who you want to be and what you're trying to accomplish that like, kind of like requires you to like go through all this? Um, yeah, I see like the whole immigration thing as like as a metaphor for for everything that I'm going through. It's like you know if I were to accept that and like if I were to say it's like okay, well I don't feel like sitting in jail. I don't feel like fighting this. I'm just going to leave and like just go do some more enjoyable things somewhere else. That would be, I mean, don't you see like it's the same? Don't you see like like as a reflection on my character? Yeah, you, you, you're saying you need to go through all this to change a narrative about your character. Pretty much. And it's like, I think like anybody who doesn't see it that way is just stupid. So, do you, well, the thing is, I think, do you ever fear or wonder um, that? just like inventing Anna, the Netflix show is so big that even if in real life you like did successfully overturn your conviction, you could stay here. Everyone's going to just like remember the Netflix show. And even though like, and your reputation will be forever defined by, you know, that, that, that show, which result, which like ended up with like, you know, a criminal conviction. Mm. Um, no, I don't. Because like, first of all, I didn't watch it. I know a ton of people who like work with me right now who like did not watch it, have no interest in watching it. I guess it's overblown. Um, I don't think it's that big because I refuse to make it big for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever watch it. Not this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I just like it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a pretty big show. Well, I'm, just, I'm just like <laughs> shaping my own reality and not just like seeing who like things. The Netflix thing is. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. And it's not a documentary. And I feel like it's just, um, it's self, like, I don't mind the self-selection of people. If they choose to believe that, whatever, like, let them. You can't please everybody. Right. 
If they feel like it's true, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I've had people like it was, I received like all kinds of like reactions like, oh, did you co-write the Netflix uh, series? Like, oh, is it going to be season two? I was like, was it that great that I'm supposed to (laughs) want a season two of that? I have no comment on whether whether the show was was good or not. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know. Some people was like, well, it was not really that great. Um, I don't know. I'll just take it for what it is. So I'll just try to kind of like get the good out of it. Whatever good like may have come out of it and not let the bad bring me down too much, but I'm not just going to like dwell on it. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, I like to believe that it's still up to me and uh, what I'm going to do next, because I guess it's like, I don't know. It's like what people before, like some big things happened to them and they just had to like override it. Or if not, like at least I've tried. I don't know. It's not like, who cares in the end? It's like, <laughs> you gotta you you have to do whatever you can do and then whatever right happens. it's like what is like what's the worst thing mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i guess we're about to find out what in 10 years or something <laughs> yeah. we'll see Wherever we'll see are. if that's like it was worth it or not what's the worst thing like i'll be in new york on house arrest <laughs> yeah well you spend a lot of money on lawyers that didn't go anywhere i guess um, is, is the and yeah I you're guess, in new york yeah. house arrest as opposed to worst you know, gall- gallivanting around paris <laughs> I mean, I've done that. I felt like I've just experienced so many of those things before. So it doesn't, I don't like, I don't feel like, so one of the things, so for me, like of being in New York, like when I'm in New York, I don't really feel like I'm missing out anywhere else. You are though paying, I mean, you're, you're in Manhattan, you're paying a lot of rent for this very small apartments. And if you were in, even like, I mean, I guess you can't not be in New York because of your legal situation, but you know, there are places where you can be in a small apartment and it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are all kinds of options, definitely. I could have like, um, I don't know, a, a castle in Germany yeah. for this money, probably. Yeah. I thought you already had that. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, it's like now yeah. maybe it's the time for me to be in a small walk-up apartment. Yeah. <laughs> this will... There are a lot of stairs I had to climb to get here, by the way. It's, uh, there's no elevator in this building. <laughs> um, well, I mean, the long-term goal is obviously like for me to get moved out of here. This was... Um, I found this in 24 hours. I feel like people choose to overlook that too. So it's like, I never, like we didn't, we never really expected for me to get house arrest. So, um, in the real estate market stuff here. So it's, yeah. And I only got, yeah, I was lucky. Um, my lawyer, John, he knows the, um, the landlord. So, (laughs) so that was pretty impressive, but like New York standards. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I thought like I would just like go to a hotel and kind of like figure it out and like find a place of my own um, and not just like that that was like off the table immediately once we found out that I would be in house dressed. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think any hotels would. Uh, no, no yeah. <laughs> they drove me here. I could not even like be picked up from 26 Barrel Plaza. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they, and they and they give you the you have an ankle monitor. So no, you are. They give yeah. it to you after you're right after you came to this. Uh, apartments now um they gave it to you there i was um they drove me from um it was actually happened so fast because i got bailed out like around 3 p.m on a friday because monday would be um monday was what was it columbus day in october yeah so indigenous heritage oh i'm sorry indigenous indigenous, people yeah indigenous people day oh i'm sorry i was in jail um you missed a lot i missed a lot yeah <laughs> and um so I did not want like there were just so many moving parts like even that part maybe we got it like on Friday afternoon because there were just so many moving parts and like I had to like sign all these things um it was just a lot to deal with and it's like I'm very grateful like to see like which people came through and like I have a great team around me um so I just I literally wanted to get out on Friday because I did not want to stay there for like another three days make it like four because it would not have happened until Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. And um, once the bail got posted, um, I thought like it would be processed. Like they would need to send somebody to like come pick me up. But I got released like, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes after. Maybe it was just some kind of a coincidence that like somebody like from the transportation, they were in the neighborhood. But then like I literally was trying to like make a call and like my account was off. It's just like I didn't exist because... The ICE, they come pick you up and the jail is like, they say, um, 
I'm not really the inmate. They're just holding me for them. So it's like whenever ICE comes, so like they immediately remove you from the system. Like they start the process, like getting your money out of the account, getting your property. And like they tell you, it's like pack up. So, um, it's probably the most efficient the, the immigration system ever is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They pick you up real quick. And, um, yeah, like, as I said, by 340, 3.45, I could not use my phone anymore. So, um, I had to ask my friend to like use her collect account to call, um, everybody who would just like, know because I thought that, well, like, I did not know if I was going to get released from, uh, OCJ, which is like an hour and a half from here, Orange County jail, where I was held for like 18 months. Or um, if they were like to drive me to 26 Federal Plaza, like, you know, everybody has a different answer. Um, and yeah, they said like, I were here to pick me up. I'm like, okay, they're driving me to 26 Federal Plaza. Um, so like, I needed to like, let people know. <laughs> um, and <laughs> nobody would pick up. Like John would not pick up, Catherine would not pick up, Chris would not pick up. I call like for Judah would not pick up. Like coincidentally, like nobody would pick up. And I <laughs> Well, another thing you missed when you were uh, incarcerated is everyone's constantly getting spam calls now. Yeah. So if you've seen a million number, you just don't pick up. But they know. It's like that I would call them like from the same number. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how it shows up if I call you from, from a different account. So I think I can check, but I think when you um, texted me when you were out of immigration custody, this was a different number than the one you texted and called me with when you were out of uh, prison from Albion. So, but I'm not sure how that works with the other people who you were connected with, if they had a different number at any particular time. But I'm just saying maybe they thought it was spam because it was a different number than they yeah. were used to. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's hard for me to like see how it actually shows up. Um, it's like the same to remember with like GTL calls, you like asking for money. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Randomly. It's like, yeah, and then, and then you try to like pull out your credit card and then it's like you took too long goodbye and it's like i'm trying to and then when you're actually on the call it's like it's been 10 minutes goodbye like <laughs> how am i supposed to do, can't do it and it's oh my god the audio quality is horrible I don't but, know, uh, right? whatever um so you know how how long are you willing to do this for like how long are you willing to stay under house arrest uh or as opposed to just like you know going to Europe? I guess for as long as necessary. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like if, I went this far as like, at what point do I like give up? Let's say, you know, pre pretty substantial chance, probably double digit percentage chance that Trump become, becomes president again. Uh, and, and after the 2024 election, um, probably that's a very slim chance of progress on immigration uh, policy before then, certainly on his president. And probably like, you know, on the horizon, immigration law probably like, you know, is one of those issues that, that uh, you know, doesn't really get a lot of action. You you could be looking at like, you know, 10, cer certainly like six more years, like easily more than that of like really no change in immigration, serious substantial change in immigration law. Uh, you know, you're willing to stay that long? Um, I mean, Biden really hasn't done much to change immigration law. Yeah. So it's like, it's not going to be, I mean, Trump became, becoming president just would revert to whatever it is right now. Um, I guess it's like a lot of the immigration law that you kind of see in the mainstream media has to do like with the southern border in Mexico. And that does not really have any, doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think like I'll find a way. There are just like so many ways. And um something will change. It's like, it always works out. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> you're, you're under house arrest. Um, I don't mind it. I, I won't, I won't be like on house arrest for, um, much longer. Hopefully we're about to you see. You have a good pile of books here. So, you know, I, I understand. Right. And it's like so many people told me, um, that I'm going like to get deported to Mars before they will ever let me out in New York. And it's actually, I mean, it's a great feeling to prove people wrong. And I guess this is like, um, just that alone is worth it. You know, like how many lawyers I was on the phone with saying like, I'm just completely crazy. I'm just wasting my life. Like literally like, and I'm not saying like Audrey type lawyers. I'm saying like. Like real lawyers. Are like saying you real hope, lawyers. Like, still, <laughs> still pushing. Um, and yeah. And like, I like just, yeah, I proved them all wrong. And they were like, literally, I don't know how many I spoke to you. At least 20, 30. 
They yeah. were saying there's just no way. And it's like, good luck to me. But it's like, they don't know what my deal is. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like, I should stop wasting my time. And it's like, oh, I'm going to help you when you're in Europe. Call me up. Um, we'll try <laughs> to get you back. But um, I want no part of your insanity trying to get get released. And this is just never going to happen. And, and here you are persevering. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that, I guess, I don't know. That's just who I am. What do you, what do you think is the difference between stubbornness and perseverance? Um, I would not be able to, to name one. I don't know. That's a good answer. <laughs> what's your, what's your answer to that? I think perseverance is about, um, I think stubbornness is about refusing to change and perseverance is about having uh, a goal or some sort of belief that you want to sustain. Yeah. But they could overlap, of course, but I think that's the difference. Yeah. So what do you see it as, uh, like what I'm doing? <laughs> um, well, it's, it's very important for you to, to clear your name through the legal system and it's, yeah. that's what you're persevering for. Um, I think you can also weigh that against the chances you have of succeeding in that. And, and maybe uh, if it's low chances, you can see the stubbornness, but I think you... you definitely see yourself as having like a real path. Yeah. But it's like, I kind of like defy the odds before and people told me I had like 99% chance I'm going to get deported. And here I am. Yeah. So I've had like my experiences in the past just kind of like um, reinforce me into my decisions I'm making now. <laughs> Makes sense. Sticking, sticking through. I don't, I'm not trying to like approach everything that I do like in my life. It's like, I'm such a victim. Everything's so mean. I came here and like, they just put me in jail. That's just like a, such a toxic way to go through life. Um, I actually, I don't know. They're just like, I feel like that's a lot of like na uh, nature versus nurture. I don't know. I just was always like that. I don't know. Definitely. I had like this big win in immigration where it's like, had I not been who I am, like I would not have gotten the lawyers I have now and that would not have happened to me. So it's like, that was a huge win. Thinking back on the criminal system, it's like, yeah, I feel like, um, I got a lot of time for my very first offense. I got almost a max, like four to 12. I don't feel like I deserved it. I feel like it was kind of miss whatever rep represented in, um, the whole thing that a judge says, like, oh, we need to show all your fans and followers, um, why it's so wrong while well, like I was in Rikers all the time I didn't have any fans or followers like I was literally using the 21 minute phone calls three times a day it's like um but like it's a I don't I'm not trying to think about it like that so it's like it's both ways um just trying like yeah I feel like I learned a lot from it like a definitely like what I've learned from jails. Like, I just don't know what the alternative would have been. I'm sure there's some different reality where I'm just like in Europe when somebody's yacht, but it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> I feel like still I'm trying to like stay in control of my narrative. And uh, that's like one way of kind of like reclaiming it. I, I do think, sorry, I'm just thinking, um, more the subject of perseverance. I didn't actually think that I didn't, I didn't actually think I'd think about this theme so much, but I am. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they look at your story and I think the most striking part of, I know you don't, I know you don't want this to be backwards looking, so sorry, but I think the most striking part of the, uh, you know, the whole scam you were convicted of is that you kept kind of like piling on lie after lie, right? And, I'm going there. Uh, <laughs> you kept, you know, you you were kind of like, I have to uh, cover this space financially by, you know, taking out like this, you know, check or so forth. And I know you're you're on appeal and you can't speak so openly about it, but I I think you know a lot of people would be like, how do you like do that and not just be like I've gone too far or and, and do, I mean do you think about that like do you think like maybe uh, whether you call it perseverance or, or, you know, just being, or just trying to like accomplish, you know, you, I know you had like a mission, you had at the time, like believes in this foundation, um, and Delphi foundation idea, like, you know, do, do you ever feel like you've, you go too far? Well, um, I guess it's about the, um, the end result. It's like what I'm, what I'm trying to accomplish now, it's by no means bad or illegal. So, 
So who would mm-hmm. who would be there to decide like did I go too far with what? With exploring the legal ways? I, or maybe not so much is it bad, but is it in your best interest to stay under house arrests or uh, you know, possibly for like six years, as they were saying. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but you know what I mean? Like like kind of like be stuck in the immigration system versus again like gallivanting around in paris or london um i mean it's all about the perspective it's like some people would say it's like spending a week in jail is too much um and i spent 18 months yeah. so it's like it depends it depends on the perspective it's like um as opposed to what <laughs> supposed to going on some guy's yacht like you said <laughs> you know like it's just like, not in new york i'm being even though like i don't know why people see house arrest it's like such a like detrimental thing. I mean, sure, like some things are annoying, but it's like there's so many ways I can be, like, and stay productive while I'm here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I still have my phone. I mean, everybody comes to me. I have like, <laughs> yeah. I can like always move to like another place, which I'm working on right now. There's just like so much that can be done, and it's just not necessarily. It's like, it's like the royal court. Like people just come and come coming in and out every day. You see, it's about it's about perspective, right? I don't have the perfect excuse, and it's like I think it's like solving puzzles and like working around constraints that other people would like not. Yeah, I think I just like love solving puzzles in a way. Oh my gosh, Jacob, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for stopping by. And please let us know if we can follow you anywhere. Cool. Thanks so much for having me. Um, you know, I work at Insider. You can read my work there um, at jshams on Twitter. If you, uh, and Instagram, if you're not sure about the spelling, just look at some of your uh, Anna's artwork. The, the Delvey Crimes has, <laughs> has a, my handle as the byline for one of the stories. Uh, and I wrote an essay about, about that whole thing. Uh, so you can read that story as well. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Jacob and I stayed in touch for my time in various jails and prisons. I've always appreciated his keen perspective on legal events from somebody who moved from covering entertainment news to covering complex legal issues. The Anna Delvey Show is a reunion audio and audio app production. The show is produced by Sean Glass, sound supervised and co-produced by John Eckhouse. Reunion audio?